Hello and welcome everyone to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. Today I have with me the boring parts of the podcast. That means we don't have Jason and we don't have Linus. So that means none of us could be asked to write an intro. So we don't have an intro. <laughs> uh, we just go straight into it. And with me I have Saramis. Hello. How are you doing? Not good, but but uh, that's all about real life stuff. Okay. My back is hurting. Yeah, that's <laughs> not good. And uh, we have Algernon. Yes, hello. You mean Algernon? Yes, Algernon. <laughs> How are you, Algernon? Algernon is uh, just fine. I'm a bit tired, but uh, that's uh, quite uh, usual, I guess. Okay. Um, so Are you going to say the word? Yes, I'm going to say the word. I support oh, no. this word. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the F word, which is how has your Forge night been? Uh, let's start with uh, you, Zaramis. Well, as usual, I haven't had one except that one time. Um, but my last week in Keyforge has been, it's been terrible or... It's been very, very sparse and terrible. Last week, I played my league match against Stoffson. Uh, felt pretty good coming in. Had a lot of good like uh, thinking before it. Did the right bans. Got good matchups. Won the first game as I should. And then I don't know what happened. Then uh, absolutely nothing worked. There, well, there was one point where it all fell apart. And it was when Karkis had established control. He didn't have a board wipe against that deck, which is like terrible usually. Uh, but we both have quite a lot of Ember, and I'm just about to start pushing Ember. And he plays a Mind Fire, and it hits my uh, what, what's the name of it? Fertility Chant. Fertility Chant. Oh. <laughs> uh, for a swing of nine or whatever it is, uh, steal four, gain four. Uh, and yeah, so uh, that was uh, that was really, really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. <laughs> and I had just placed, uh, like, uh, I had just discarded uh, Anthony because I was like, okay, I have more Ember, I have more board. Like, I, he doesn't have any big scaling Ember control. This, this is my game. So I chose between Anthony and some something else, and I was like, okay, I won't need him yet. I will be able to tax with Faust, and so on. And uh, yeah, Faust was in the bottom of the deck. He got four more Ember, and I got four less Ember. Uh, and then he just played like two more turns, and then the game was won. Because <laughs> that swing was just impossible to get back from. And then in the third game, Everything was also just terrible. I played, yeah, no, uh, I will forget about it. I, Maybe I will then take a three-zero against the the division leader next. So uh, two or three seasons ago, or me before, I played against uh, against Dovson also, and he hit me with the ransack and stole four. So so I've I've also played against against him when he steals four with one card. <laughs> it feels <laughs> quite bad. It was a game like uh, this is a good matchup. I have got this game in the bag, and yeah, then steal four and <laughs> couldn't recover from that. 
Uh, turns out Steel 4 is pretty good. Steel 4 is uh, pretty good in Keyforge. <laughs> Especially against a deck that just threw away its one big, like, uh, obnoxious uh, Ember Control. Yeah. So what about you, Algenonner? How was your Fortnite? Um, well, like last um, last week, I had the buy win because I was supposed to play versus Sizox, who dropped out. So that was quite boring. Um, and just uh, yesterday, I played versus Banan Permobile, and I lost one two, which seems to be like uh, what I do this season. Pretty with much. the best decks we've seen so far in your lineup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Like, like in one game, he had um, he had uh, a bunch of imp specters, and they seemed to hit like the, the single best card in my hand like all the time. So annoying. Um, but I feel like in the league, I have had some. Uh, bad luck this season, I gotta say. Like when I played versus you, Saramis, like the, the matchups were um, terrible, like in every single yeah. game. And uh, like, sure, maybe you like outpicked me and you knew exactly right. what decks I would have, no. but, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I feel that's. Like... I feel like that probably happened <laughs> since, <laughs> it's, since it's Saramis. Yeah, since Saramis, yeah. Could be. Could 50, be. It was fifty percent picking skill and, and predicting, and and fifty percent was yeah. dumb luck. So. Yeah, I feel like I needed more than fifty percent in the picking skill. Uh, it has been like a lot of really terrible matchups, so I really have to step up my game in that regard, upcoming seasons. But otherwise, I've been playing in the Percola Cup as well. The um, uh, it's a, a tournament MM seventy SAS cap. That's um, played on the Finnish server, and uh, that has gone quite well so far. I have the two Danes who are also playing in the league, Pack and Torvalpo. They are in the final, but uh, at least top four, and uh, I'm still in the losers bracket. So who knows? Nice. But uh, I'm playing Anther Wrestler there, my the deck I've played the most, uh, and uh, it's really fun. Yeah, I uh, I had a fairly good chance of taking my game. I lost uh, lost it two zero because I, uh, it was a one one game in the in the Percolate Cup. Uh, but then I was so tired. I just looked at the key cost and saw that oh he has seven out of eight. It's fine. I can just do a fun turn here, and did a bunch of like he had no way to stop me. He had said GG. If I had just taken the shadow turn and removed my, uh, what was it the sting or whatever it was, I would have won. No use to me asthma bomb. I would have won, and he had no way to stop me. Uh, but instead, I was like, "Haha, no! I'll take a logos turn because you're not the check anyway." And then we both were like, "What? What? What happened? You won!" And I'm like, "He offered to basically take it. Like we we were talking about taking it back, but I had lost the first game. And then I saw that okay, I'm apparently against Carl in the next round, and I know that matchup. Like it's not fun. We both have really speedy decks, but you have a bring low." And I have no way to clear your board. So, yeah. Like we we met before with with those decks in the tournament, and I was just going to lose one round later instead. So uh, okay, I okay. was like, eh. mm. yeah, I'm not sure how to like feel about that when you when you call GG. In my opinion, it 
should pretty much be um, like you have to stand by an early GG if you call it. But I have I have games in the league where um, last season versus Sysox, we played a game. He thought he thought it was GG, so he he said GG, and then he had like some crazy draw, like maybe one in a. 10% chance of drawing the, the card he needed to stay alive. So he just played it out and he got it. And then the next turn it was the same, like GG. But then ah, I, can, I can try it. And, and then he tries it and it works out. And oh. uh, a part of me feels like you call the GG, just concede the game. <laughs> That's well, what I, I mean, felt like after that particular game anyway. Technically, it just yeah. means good game, so uh, you you can say yeah. that at any point. Like this is a yeah, good game, but, uh, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Sure, but in real life, I see the equivalent is basically saying, "Oh, it's over," and shaking the hand of your opponent. Like yeah, yeah, it's a, like a gray area, I suppose. Yeah, but I have had games in in um, tournament games in other uh, in other computer games where I've. Uh, called GG early, played on, then won, and then had to like uh, concede the game anyway, just because <laughs> that affected the opponent's uh, way of playing, sort of. Okay, yeah, for me, I don't know. Uh, for me, it seems like GG could be something I say very early, just as a sarcastic, like, like or I don't know, like uh, just to say, okay, that was a big one, uh, even though I'm not saying it's over. Like, you stole four with Ransack, that's the game. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. So. But then, like... Uh, it, this wasn't just GG. It was yeah. GG. This is over. Like yeah. So, I guess that's a bit different. Yeah. Okay. So for my Fortnite, I I was eliminated from the side cup on, of the NKFL. I had my worst deck left in the losers bracket, and uh, it was a rush deck, but not a very good rush deck. And <laughs> I faced like three times in a row better rush decks, and I got lucky. <laughs> until I didn't get lucky anymore against you, Algernonar, oh, and yeah. you knocked me out. <laughs> yeah. But that was completely fair. I was a zombie at that point anyway. Like, uh, I should have been dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't feel too bad about that. Um, and then for for my league matches, I played against Banon Per Mobile last week. Um, and uh, I made some mistakes in banning. I wanted to test something to see since he's new, new in the league. I wanted to see what he thought about certain decks and so on. So I, I left the deck alone that I maybe shouldn't have left alone, and uh, it went badly. Uh, so that game, he won, he won, he beat me really hard with one deck, and then the second game was a bad matchup for me. But I managed to hit the card that was super important with the discard effect, and I should have won it. And then I still somehow lost it. Uh, so that was also bad. And then the third game was the worst matchup of them all for me, and that one I won thanks to a misclick from my opponent. So <laughs> that didn't feel too good. But it was like he played a, a kind of board control card that killed a lot of creatures, and there was captured amber and upgrades, and it would have been really hard to to restore the game state so so we 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 kept it going and in the end it wasn't super close that game i actually won quite handily i 3-2 but he wasn't close to his third key but 
if that had gone better that turn, I think he would have won it anyway. I think I'm not sure. So we could say that that it's been a pretty mediocre showing from the podcast. Well, that was last week. I also played the match this week. Oh, okay, okay. Against uh, against uh, Stoffson, and uh, I lost the first game one three, uh, but I won the two last games uh, three two, and those. Those two last games were so good. They were like uh, checking for third key each turn, both of us. like uh, Actually, no, I think maybe the first game was a 3-2 as well. Yeah, all of them were 3-2. Uh, and all of them, the first game was won on a key cheat by my opponent. The second game, my opponent threatened to win on a key cheat twice, and I just managed to get him off and, and win. <laughs> and the third game, I won in, on a key cheat on the turn he was in check for the third key. So basically as tight games as they could have been. So super good games. Uh, hmm. I've had a lot of tight games this season, so I've really been enjoying it. Uh, so yeah, so I had a 1-2 and a 2-1, which is okay, since we have really good opposition in the diamond division, I think. so. But uh, yeah, in order for us to stop uh, Gungnir, I need to, we all need to win against him now. Uh, all of us. Uh, it's all of us who still have to face him, I guess. Yes, yeah. us three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, secret strategies now after the podcast, everyone. We meet at my place and uh, we... <laughs> yeah, it's I wonder if it's enough if I win 3-0 and you guys can just win 2-1, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's interesting because he's playing... He only has one, like, speedy deck. And uh, I, I, like, I won't go through, through too much strategy, but it's interesting seeing that he his decks are... More traditionally crushy with less efficiency, more creature control. Several of them are zero speed uh, or negative speed. It's uh, interesting because if you look at the ARC, he has really high AEC. So, like, he has all of his cards. I haven't really looked at the decks, but all of his cards almost do something. So, so yeah. then you maybe don't need super high efficiency because the, which is my theory about efficiency it's like uh, if all cards in a deck does what the deck wants to do the plan as we've discussed before with the, with our archetypes and all the, then efficiency becomes much less important yeah which is why some rush decks don't want it and so on but yeah that that, that was our weeks so what what is our exciting topic for today hydro so uh, for the topic of tonight, I don't know about you guys, but at least me, I am online all the time speaking a lot of uh, shit about the game. I have all these opinions about everything. And of course, I'm always correct. Always. Uh, except when I'm not, uh, which has happened a few times. And that's what this episode is about. We are going to talk about things we have said very confidently, or maybe not confidently, but at least said and we turned out to be very wrong about and things about the game. Uh, so I guess... Yeah, I'll leave it to you too then, since uh, I don't have any of those. But uh, <laughs> I'm always right about the game. Okay, I, I will go first, I guess, to show uh, with the kind of thing. So let's see. One thing before the launch of Age of Ascension, uh, um, when the cards were relieved, I saw the Brobnar and I said, wow, Age of Ascension Brobnar is going to be a powerhouse, I, I thought of looking at the cards. And I feel like after playing it quite a lot, I feel like it's not really the case. Uh, <laughs> there are two cards that count in the set. 
Yeah. <laughs> in Roblox. So yeah, I saw I saw Grumpuggy, and that one was oh, good for a while, yeah. uh, and then got got ruined by by later sets. But I don't really count that uh, because it was good for a time at least. Uh, yeah. But for me, what really ruined the the Age of Ascension Brobnar was how many of the commons and uncommons are really situational. So you have some good creatures, you have have some some good artifacts, but you have a lot of the actions are really situational. You have you have the flex; it needs a ready creature, otherwise it does nothing. You have first blood; it needs Brobnar creatures at the start of your turn, otherwise it does nothing. And if you have two of them. You can't even play them for the Amber because you're Alpha. You have to discard one of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, alpha, such a great idea. Yeah. You yeah have... Did Brobnar have more Alpha than like the... Because I feel like a Brobnar in AOA had... They have quite a few Alpha cards. Yeah, they had They had at Common, they had uh, uh, First Blood. And then at Uncommon, they had the Gargantus Scrapper. Yeah. Uh, which has... The amazing powerful ability that you need to have three am three amber in your pool, and if you do, you can deal three damage. So you really yeah, need amazing. to balance that out. Yeah, with amazing. Alpha. Imagine if you imagine if you could play that and have created the amber. It's almost like imagine if you could first create ember and then draw cards depending on how much ember you have like that would be sick luckily martial generosity is alpha so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, yeah as maybe yeah. it's only those two okay yeah but also but also you have these situational cards uh, that need ready creatures i mentioned two but we also have into the fray which is a common which does nothing if you don't have a ready creature because it gives the ability yeah. a creature gains a fight ability for the rest of the turn which Let's just conclude that that it didn't match up to your great expectations. Yeah. And it's it's a bit of a shame because there are so many fun cards in Brobnar. You have the drum note, you have the you have the uh, Bingle Bang Bangs. <laughs> and uh, you have the drummer note. And even yeah. the drummer note turns out to not be great. My, one of my first decks had three drummer notes and they just bounce each other. Uh, <laughs> and and then, then that's horrible too. <laughs> so even even that guy turned out to be a disappointment for me. And then you immediately go into rule of six because they... <laughs> the only thing I could do with that is I had a fill of the researcher. So one game up to 100, I could put on my first turn a fill of the researcher and then I could play like drummer notes no, bouncing no, each other on each side and draw seven cards or something. So... Uh, Basically, about generosity, except it takes Ex two turns. Yeah, except, except it takes two turns, so one power creature needs to survive, and you need to draw three cards uh, to do Specific it. Specific ones. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty strong. Yeah, <laughs> but it was fun at least. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was my big L the, the, that I took about Age of Ascension right. Robnar. So uh, who wants to go next? I can go next with one of mine. Uh, I predicted. Uh, mostly because I tend to be very positive about stuff in games. I always want like weird things to work. And I had predicted that uh, Unfathomable was going to be severely disruptive when we saw Bubbles, when we saw Whirlpool, we saw Maelstrom. Like I thought that they would be much more like uh, present in the meta and, and be so disruptive that they would count like a almost stronger than than this in many ways in their how they disrupted things um particularly putting things on top of the deck seemed like an incredibly strong ability for me mm. uh, that could ruin people's like a uh, deck drawing and, uh, and so on but uh yeah 
Sure, but decks with three bubbles are very annoying to play against, but they're not a house that really disrupts. Yeah, uh, the thing about about that house is it has a lot of really good actions, uh, and it has bubbles, and then it has a bunch of quite bad creatures that you yeah. tend to get. And if you do get just a good cards, it can be really good, but it's way too rare. Uh, and unfortunately, it's also in Dark Tidings, hmm. which means that it can't be paired with anything that is... Yeah, that that's the main issue, I feel. Yeah, because even like even the things that are good in Dark Tidings don't pair well with Unfathomable. Like, Unfathomable has a certain playstyle that w- would want to play. It sometimes pairs well with Shadow, because Shadows has uh, spot removal and like some disruption. But the, the really good Dark Tidings decks tend to be combo decks with uh, Logos and Untamed. Uh, or it tends to be other kind of combo decks with lots of untamed and recursion and weird like a bound like bouncing your own stuff, uh, and that doesn't work either. Or it tends to be Star Alliance like building towers on your creatures with weird uh, like uh, weird stuff as well. And Unfathomable doesn't really there. There's no real disruptive bo- deck strategy in Dark Tidings that has has worked out well. So you often get like a disruptive Dark Tidings house. But that deck either wants to do something else or is sort of bad. I feel like um, maybe some untamed sets can be okay with it. Like if you have a lot of pips, like you have Gruens, it's okay to bounce your own creatures to the top of the deck with Maelstrom and you can play them again for more Amber. Or you have the uh, Persistence Hunting to be able to exhaust creatures on a non-unfathomable turn. But yeah, I, I guess you have to be very lucky to to get that combination of those things. And it feels quite slow as well. Like even if it's potentially yeah, wrong, yeah. like to get the the untamed board up and then yeah. instrument back up, it's, it's quite yeah. slow. A, a lot of moving pieces to a plan like that. Many things can yeah. go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but I agree with you. I also thought unfathomable would be quite good, especially when I saw the actions. And then I haven't really gotten anything super good with it. They have amazing actions, mm. uh, really. Mm. Yeah, Brain Drain is so fun and good to use. Brain Drain is fun. The one where you discard 10 cards, you basically get to know what their deck has left and what the key cards are gone. I like. I really it's don't just... like that one. That's another debate. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I love that card. But, but maybe it's because I'm a card counter. Like for me, knowing the odds of exactly what they will draw, I got an ember, and I get the knowledge of half their deck. But your opponent gets that knowledge too, so it, it's reliant yes. on the fact that you're a better card counter than the average player, which is no. It also, which which I am. Yeah. But it also counts on the fact that uh, I am playing around his stuff or their stuff, uh, that they know what they have left to draw. They already know what's what's in their hand. Uh, they have that additional knowledge what's in their hand and what they can actually play. I know if any key cards are gone. Uh, that doesn't matter for them. If they see that their key cards are gone, that, then they're just like, okay, my key cards are gone. But for me, that will change how I play. If I see that you have no TMTP anymore, that changes a lot more about how I play than it changes how you play. Mm, yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, but I, I, for me, I think it's just... There is so much good recursion in earlier sets, so it's and also in Dark Tidings. So I feel like you're putting a bunch of stuff in their discard pile that they can then use as a second hand to bring stuff up 
back and uh, now, now I think you're exaggerating the the level of re- recursive stuff. Not everyone is an Arise deck that can bring exactly the right. Uh... No, but my main like issue with the uh, with that card is just it feels it feels random. Like it it can be random. Like in a top end deck, maybe yeah, you discard ten cards, which should all be good cards, and perhaps key pieces in whatever the opponent's deck wants to do. But like in a more casual casual level the the card can just thin your opponent's deck uh, down to uh, yeah yeah like like they it, get rid of the, the the crap stuff and they get to their the good stuff uh, faster it just feels random to me and even against yeah, a good yeah, deck I, I, you discard 10 good cards and they have uh, 20 other good cards that but i i think i think it depends a lot on like I deal a lot with decks that have very specific game plans and they can always be disrupted by specific cards. So for me, knowing if they have it or not makes all the difference. It's so often that I wait out uh, like, oh, now you I forced out your one or two good board wipes. Now I can play the deck as I want to or, or similar things. I should mention also that this just could be one of those things five years from now I will make an episode about what things I were wrong about <laughs> because I actually haven't played with the card because I haven't Oh, gotten it in one of, I've I've gotten <laughs> it on seal on TCO yeah. but not in the actual uh, deck so, I own FFD, and played so it's just to you again like make make this a game that can stay around like launch it again <laughs> make it decent because it does feel like a little bit like like a grave wake here we're uh, keep keeping things <laughs> no. alive we're keeping things going but the the the, the game is in the grave we want to see it risen, necromancy, please, and launched as a digital client, like you promised us. And do that only so that you can then later look back on this episode and laugh at this annoying hydrophilic attack guy who who yeah, says. If that is what it takes for you to feel motivated, then do it for hydro. <laughs> do it for this know-it-all. Uh, yep. Oh. Carl, what's your what have you been wrong about? Um. So. When I started playing Keyforge, I bought a single deck and thought uh, I could could do with this deck for a bit. Then I thought 16 decks. That's what I need because then I can play the 16 decks in a like a tournament style um, versus myself, and that was how I enjoyed the game in the code of days. And then like 32 is a better number, and it just keeps risen. So I have I've been so like adamant about uh, this is my limit and then I push that limit up uh, to like uh, an infinite <laughs> amount of decks. You can never have too many is my new take on it. But I have very uh, specific like uh, from this set now, like I have 32 decks from this set and then I buy 32 decks on this set and then maybe the next step is 64 because I always like the tournament structure the idea that i could put all my decks from this specific set versus one another um but yeah that's um the deck size is uh something i've been very wrong about Hmm. yeah you know i I was the same way collection collection size yeah yeah i i bought my first two decks and i was like i'm going to play only these decks forever and i played them 100 times each i had a lot of fun with them before i bought three more decks uh, but 
and then I played those first five decks a lot, but then eventually <laughs> it spiraled. I haven't gotten to the same level as you two in terms of collection size, but I've have opened 100 decks. So that's quite a lot more than just one deck that I thought would be enough. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's see. Have I been really wrong about other things? Probably. But I started the game pretty late. Like, I, I didn't get into it for real until MM was coming out. Uh, which means that I didn't really have time to do all those uh, those predictions. I didn't do, uh, have that, oh, a new set is coming out, I wonder what will be good, until Dark Tidings came, basically. That was my first set where I was involved in, in predictions. Uh, but I did have thoughts on uh, some things when MM was just coming out. I did not predict that enhancements would have the immense impact that they had and define entire decks just on the on getting lots of enhancements. In fact, I found them pretty bad at, early on in MM because I was still focusing a lot on creatures on the board and what I can do with the, with the board state and so on. And these creatures were crappy. They were like meaningless creatures that I wanted to throw away. I hadn't seen the light of autoencoder, for example, or... Uh, uh, all the things that sort of interacted with bad uh, bad creatures, such as uh, Dark Ember Vault, or yeah. But I, I saw enhancements, and the, especially the cards that came with the enhancements, as really really negative. Like the, that they didn't, wasn't doing, uh, wasn't having the impact that I thought it would. And then they really did. Like when they reached critical mass, and especially when the the enhancements started gathering on particular cards such as you know red pennies or and it suddenly was incredibly degenerate to play against yeah what do you think about this Algernon? well enhancement was something i thought about as well because when mm was um like when they spoiled a bit of uh, of the set they they spoiled the double creatures and they spoiled the enhancements and i thought enhancement sounded very dull like not like the power level. I was didn't really think about how strong it would be. Just that it sounded very bland and uh, not very exciting. Mm-hmm. But I really have to had to uh, like reevaluate that as time went on because that's like why I enjoy opening MM so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the most fun set to open, and enhancement is very much a part of that i think it is the decks are much more like you it's no it adds a second stage to opening a deck yeah you see exactly. the list of cards and then you get to see the next part where did the enhancements end up and that changes like oh then i can play it like this it changes uh it adds a whole uh interesting discovery aspect to it yeah and you can have two decks that that look very similar on the deck list and you play them and they feel entirely different because yeah. suddenly this key card is just vital to, to this deck's uh, success and it's totally different for the other deck. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's good that you brought this up because that means I didn't have to because I also very openly said I, I was skeptical of the whole thing and uh, turned out to be wrong as well. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, just a sales trick to make it sound like more unique. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but already, like, my second deck made me see the potential a bit because I had 
a deck with a lot of amber in hands in this, and I had a, a screaming cave to shuffle those cards back and draw them again. And already there, I could say, okay, if things end up in a nice way, you can really do some fun stuff. Uh, and then, of course, uh, capture pips ended up being a lot more important than I thought they would be. Uh, draw pips ended up being a lot better than I thought they would be. For a while there, people said draw was bad because there's just one third chance of drawing of the right house, yada, yada. But if you have enough draw, it's not bad. It's very good. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and enough that... draw in the, in the same house as well. Particularly. Yeah. Yeah. And even even damage pips, at first I thought that, oh, wow, I do one damage, EP. And then you start seeing how actually with enough damage pips, wards are meaningless. Uh, you can just kill hunting witches or restaurantantes or cards like that whenever you want immediately. And uh, actually even the, the damage pips are hugely impactful. So yeah, I, I was with you on this. Uh, and for a while, I thought this would be not a very good set. And then it turned out it's the most popular set of all, and it's completely sold out in Sweden and Italy and lots of other places. And <laughs> and I've also been enjoying opening what those decks I was able to find. So, yeah, I, I, that's one I'm very happy to have been wrong about. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, I have one more, which is quite embarrassing because I look... It's another prediction about the power of a house in a set because I look at that house now and I really don't understand how I could make that prediction. And that's Worlds Collide Star Alliance, which I thought before launch, when I was, I guess, not a very good player, I thought, these are not very good. Uh, And I think it was because of a lack of knowledge. I didn't really follow all the cards that were spoiled. So I just saw a few cards that I saw okay, they're going to introduce cards that can be both creatures and and upgrades. That seems not very useful. And it's not super impactful, but those are very few cards in the card pool. And really what they have, they have a lot of creatures with play, fight, reap that do really strong things at common. And basically, at common rarity, they have like just one okay card and all the other are good, like in, in World's Collide Star Alliance. Uh, and I think this is something I kind of learned something from this, which is when you evaluate a set, you need to take into account the rarity of the cards. Especially, you have to look at the commons uh, and see are the commons good or not, and what is the concentration of good. Like, are nine out of ten commons good, or are half of them good? And that's really important for whether a house is going to turn out to be good or not. So, yeah. 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 For sure. But that's quite uh, difficult to do, I guess, since you 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 have so such limited information when you look at maybe like I don't know how many spoiled cards uh, there usually is, but quite a few. So you really really can't tell. But uh, it's a good point to just uh, at least check the rarity. Like if this good card is a rare, it doesn't really say anything. Yeah. Really. I guess you both realized it while well, you weren't in the game uh, this but I guess you yeah. knew it was good immediately. <laughs> no, well, I'm joking, but uh, you you, uh, you uh, probably didn't make this mistake with Star Alliance that I did, because I, I know a lot of people were excited about Star Alliance coming in. I was more excited about the Saurians, uh, but I feel I, like... 
I was also more excited about Azorians. Yeah, I'd say, but I don't really, I don't remember having an opinion about mm. either, like strength-wise. Mm. I don't think I followed the the launch of Worlds Collide as much as I did with MM and uh, Dark Tidings. Mm. So can't really speak to that. Yeah. Um, uh, pause. Räcker det så? Eller vill, har, har ni något mer? Ja, det tycker jag. Det är, det är en kort, liten, enkel episod. Hade du någon mer, Carl? Nej, jag hade ingen mer. Uh, nej, det kan väl räcka så. Okej. Okay. Tänker jag. Okej, okay. uh, yeah, I think that's it for tonight. So now you know why you should never listen to me again because I'm just wrong about stuff. <laughs> and um, I speak about it very confidently. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say that that uh, I uh, I have one more that I thought about. And I thought that the sins were going to dominate the MM completely in, in some sense. When I saw the, the synergies and the effects, I was like, oh, fun. So it's going to be that whoever draws sins and an Ethan's Yar in the, the same deck, you will just win. Because uh, uh, just uh, it just seems so strong. Uh, because once, as I was saying, like I was thinking about the board, and I'm like, these just have to be out once, and they already have taken over. So I thought that the, like drawing a seven sins deck would be much more powerful than it is. We haven't seen any like of the really top decks be seven sins decks, because they are too much dependent on the board. <laughs> yeah, you need yeah you need the you need the sins together with with. Uh... Uh, with the artifact that makes you ready and use a creature almost. Yeah, SS scale, I guess. But yeah, that was that was my last one. Let's let's wrap it up. Okay. So um... Okay, secret strategy meeting against Gungnir in my place. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I no. could just say that uh, when when DT was launched, I thought initially that the tie would be very boring and just a very bad mechanic. And uh, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs> uh, I think I just okay. Good night. <laughs>Sorry, can we take a break? I just need to. Yes, we can. Oh. No, we have to continue. No cutting. <laughs> yeah, I think I got some tea down the wrong uh, pipe. Uh. Or <laughs> how do you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No breaks in this podcast. Okay, my tears are my eyes are tearing up. No, not take really. your, Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> Okay, let's continue.